Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of the Confessions of a Crappy Christian podcast. I'm your host and resident crappy Christian, Blake Guichet, and I'm so pumped to be bringing you season two of this show, packed full of more people telling incredible stories of who God is and what he's done. Today's interview is with Renee Fick, a mom of three, occupational therapist, and advocate for moms who desire more grace, space, and rest within their lives. Today, we're talking about mom guilt, how to spot it, how to combat it, and why it has no place in your life as a mother. Renee, hey, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. Yes. So we are going to talk about mom guilt, which I'm really pumped about and also kind of surprised that it's not something that we've talked about on the show yet. But before we jump in on that, Take a second and tell everybody about yourself. Yeah. So I'm Renee. I am a mom of three. I live in San Diego, which is amazing. Um, I work as an occupational therapist in the NICU and then also have an online space where I help women kind of declutter their lives. And yeah, it's just, it's filled with so much, but it's all such really great things. So yeah. Yeah. So my dad is a neonatal nurse practitioner. Oh, really? So he's worked his whole life in the NICU as well. So Yeah. Well, oh, that man. was always my like dream spot, the Aww. place that I wanted to be. And so I've started in there this last year, and it's been really a fun journey yeah. to navigate. Yeah. That's so cool. I love that. So when people schedule to come on the show, there's a spot in the form for them to tell me what they want to talk about. And all of yours were were so good. I was struggling a little bit. What which one am I gonna pick? But the, then the second I saw mom guilt, I thought, mm-hmm, yep, that's it. Because the day before we are interviewing, I literally had just told my husband how much I was struggling with mom guilt. We had a sitter fall through. I have a full time job. My youngest didn't have Mother's Day out. She literally had to come to work with me, and basically like played on an iPad under my desk for three hours and I I feel like I go through seasons of really struggling with mom guilt and struggling with trying to achieve balance which I know is balance is a myth Mm -hmm. and so you know it's it's that dichotomy between I know my work is important but I know that my children are more important and and what does that look like and how does that kind of flesh out you know this being something that you talk about and we're willing to come on a podcast and talk about do you do you struggle with mom guilt yeah I think you know inherently I think it's natural for all of us to have mom guilt mm-hmm. I think it's a matter of how long we let the mom guilt stay there and then what we do with it that makes the big difference so we're all going to have negative thoughts that come into mind that sit there and say oh you're a bad mother oh you shouldn't be doing this xyz but I think the main big difference with mom guilt is what you, it, what you in turn do with that you know mm-hmm. and how you let your mind stay there or how you dwell in that space and I remember the the moment that I noticed the big shift for me in terms of mom guilt was 
I had taken my kids to school and I dropped them off at preschool and at preschool, they had you, you sign up for bringing snack like once a month or once every other month or whatever it may be. I don't even remember. And I remember dropping them off and walking into school thinking, huh, I remember when was my time to sign that I've signed up for snack, you know? And I went in there and looked at the list as I was dropping them off and realized that it was that day. So totally did not bring snack to school that day. And as I left, I, all of those thoughts, you know, you're this, you're a crappy mom, like, how are you not able to do this? And you can't manage this or that or whatever. And it started to spiral. And I think that that's what happens with mom guilt is we have like one little thought and then it starts to spiral into not just that you forgot the snack, but that now because you forgot the snack, you are now inherently the world's worst mother and that you don't love your children and that you suck and you're not going to be good enough. And it just like keeps going. And so I think the thing with mom guilt is like catching yourself in that moment and being like, no, the reason I forgot snack was because I walked into school and signed up for snack without my cell phone so that I could be completely present with them when I was walking them in rather than distracted by my phone. So by the time I made it back to my car, I had forgot to put it in my phone. And so when you can catch yourself with those like truths rather than just letting yourself spiral and the the guilt, I think it makes a huge difference. And you know, we're all going to have those negative thoughts that come into our mind. It's just a matter of that. It's like, if we can catch them, take those thoughts captive and redirect them to a truth rather than dwelling in it. Yes, no, it's so true. And just for solidarity, I have done the same exact thing. <laughs> Signed up for snacks, forgot to put it in my phone and got the text the next the day after I was supposed to bring the snacks. That was like, hey, just FYI. And yeah, and it does. It totally turns into this. It's a message that touches every single part of your life and every single part of your motherhood. Rather than I'm human, I forgot snacks, it turns into I'm a terrible mom. I'm doing too much, obviously. If I can't remember this, like, I should just quit everything. (laughs) And and I know it's so rampant and there's so many avenues that it makes its way to our door, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, forgetting a snack, a child acting out, a child getting a less than stellar mark home from school, or just general feelings, like getting to the end of the day. I don't even want to know how many moms get to the end of the day, their kids are in bed, and all they can do is sit there and beat themselves up about the ways that they dropped the ball. Yeah, yeah. And what's super interesting is that work, this is like, this is, mom guilt does not discriminate. It's working moms, it's stay-at-home moms, it's work-at-home moms. All of them struggle with some form of mom guilt. Yeah, and I don't even think it's limited to that. Like, I look at my eight-year-old daughter, and the other night she talked about, we, she's, you know, doing a talent show thing at school, and we were com- she was complaining about not being able to practice, and so I asked her, I was like, what does not being able to practice mean? Like, what would that mean? And she goes, well, then I'd be, I would fail and I wouldn't be the, on stage and I would get kicked out and then I would suck. And then, I mean, like her mind spiraled into this like doomsday sort of event. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Just because you weren't able to practice one time automatically that equates that the world is going to end. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of bringing it back. And, and as moms, 
you know, I, with her, it's the same, it would be the same advice would be that you always have the opportunity to choose again. And is there a different option? Like, is mm-hmm. there a different way, you know, just because you didn't practice and you get kicked off the stage and it doesn't work or whatever. I said, could you have fun in the process? And she was mm-hmm. like, yeah. And I was like, then focus on that, that focus. It doesn't matter if you get up on stage and you don't make the cut or whatever, you can still choose to have fun. It doesn't have to be the world is ending. And so I think that that's how I like to, to, and even in my own mom life, I like to look at it as, yeah, I just totally blew up, but I can choose again. And I don't have to stay in that space the rest of the day. I can redirect where I'm at. I can, you know, apologize. I can, whatever it may be. And I think mom guilt, I think why I like talking about mom guilt and why it's because guilt in itself supposes that it's a crime, right? Like it's just this so negative thing and that you're guilty of something. Mm-hmm. And I don't like mom guilt in that sense of like talking about it being is a guilty thing because I don't think that it's guilt. I think it's, or I don't think that you're, it's a crime. I don't think mm, it's just yeah. this, like, expectation. You're like comparing yourself to perfection or you're right. comparing yourself to somebody else or like as w- the way of where you fell short. And so in essence, it's just, it's, I don't know. It's not that you're wrong. You didn't commit a crime by forgetting the snack. You, like you said, you were human and you can change that around. It's not, it doesn't define who you are just because you made one mistake. And I I never really thought about that word guilt in terms of an adjective, Mm -hmm. like that you are guilty. I'd more, you know, I think people more think about it as a, feeling you know that you feel guilty but you are not you feel guilty but you're not right and that matters and I love what you said about I can choose again that I mean Mm -hmm. that's that's straight up biblical you know I mean that's it's that what's that verse in um in Lamentations I think three about the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases his mercies never come to an end like they are new every morning Mm -hmm. that's that is why the Bible and the gospel impact motherhood so deeply is that, yeah. yes, I lose my mind on my kid that won't put her shoe on and is it is the end of the world <laughs> trying to put a shoe on and I lose it because I'm tired and it's the end of the day and I feel like I have run out of patience and exactly what you're saying, I get to make the decision to either let that impact and define the rest of the day or I stand on true truth and I realize that if the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases then I have that in me and so my love never ceases and my mercy can never come to an end and I am capable of redirecting the rest of the day yeah moment to moment like Mm -hmm. it's not even you know like you can be there have been those moments And I've talked about it, like one of the biggest things, the one of the biggest questions that changes the direction of my day is in those moments, I will just ask myself, is this the mom that you truly want to be? And it can catch me in that spot of being like, heck no, this is not where I want to be. And then it gives you that opportunity to be like, okay, well then what are you going to do differently? Mm -hmm. And it kind of is empowering in the sense that like, you don't have to stay in those best space. Like your thought, your thoughts shouldn't be shaming you. You know, you Mm -hmm. shouldn't be feeling like you've committed a crime based on the day. Like you should go to the, the bed at the end of the night 
feeling like, yeah, you messed up through the day, but you made it right and you turned it around and you had the opportunity. And like you said at the beginning, I think one of my things in my journal that I give to my clients is that they write down every day some ways that they win in the day. Mm. Because so many times as moms, we don't even recognize the way that we win. Like getting the kids out the door with their shoes on in the morning, that's a win. But yeah, we so often take that for granted. You know, if you got up this morning and you spent 10 minutes in prayer before your kids were up, that's a win. And it's a massive win. (laughs) Yeah. And when you like, but you had at the end of the day, you go to bed feeling like you failed the whole day Mm -hmm. because you blew up one time, you know? And so just shifting that perspective of how did I actually do well today? Where did I show up? Well, where did I give my best to my family or the people around me and which ways do I do need to learn? And I think that that's where, you know, mom guilt can steer you into this space of just, you know, ruminating in your thoughts and letting it shame you and letting yourself feel guilty for what you did or whatever. But at the same time, I think it can be a really big catalyst for helping you grow. And I think as moms, there's always opportunity for growth. I think even just as human nature, I don't think we were intended to stay in one spot and stay stagnant. I think we were always meant to evolve and change and, you know, learn how to love more and give more and, and do better. I think that's just in, in our nature. I think that that's, it doesn't mean that who we are right now is any less than or, you know, whatever. It just means that there's always room to grow. But if you let that thought be the catalyst for that, like be mm-hmm. the catalyst for how can, you know, today I blew up about this. How can tomorrow I maybe plan ahead or do something differently so that I don't blow up that time again, you Mm -hmm. know, and it allows you that opportunity to grow rather than staying in that space of just feeling guilty. Yeah. I love that. I want to, I definitely want to circle back to the conversation of growth versus guilt, because that was kind of the way that I wanted to go. But something that you said about, you know, that this is kind of all-encompassing that that idea Mm -hmm. of I I didn't do enough we all go to bed feeling that way I just I wonder what that says about just culture in general why do I mean mothers that are believers or not believers why and I'm not necessarily posing this question to you like you have the answer but like that what about culture and the world in which we are mothering has taught us that nothing we do will ever be good enough as a mom specifically, you know? Yeah. You know, and I don't know. I think that it's easy for us to blame social media because Mm. it's, you know, like cold and filtered in a sense. And so Mm. we have this expectation. I know a friend of mine, Becky Kapitsky, she's written a couple books. Um, One of hers, she talked about the the phenomenon of Pinterest and how you can go onto Pinterest and you can see all of the different things like the, the expert gardening and the expert cooking and the expert like kids crafts and like every expert thing, like, right. Everything on there looks so wonderful. And when we look at Pinterest automatically, our minds go to the fact that this is one person when we don't really recognize that there's a million different people submitting their very best work on Pinterest. So it's the very, very, very best of the baker. And it's the very, very best of the whatever, the, the 
you know, the cleaner or whatever, and they're putting it all together. And so it's like this phenomenon of not being super woman, but that as a collective community, we become super woman. And so I think it's just really reshifting. But I also don't know that if you go back, you know, generations before, I don't know that other generations didn't struggle with mom guilt. I think that they probably did as well. So it's kind of this, this sort of thing. I think social media and the digital age that we're in has exemplified it and made it bigger and more visible and easier to get sucked down that rabbit hole. But I don't think that that's the whole root cause. I think that it goes back further than that. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. I think that I do think that we probably our generation probably struggles with it a little more amplified that Mm -hmm. it is, you know, with social media, everyone else's motherhood is in your face. The, the well the highlight reel of their motherhood is in your face and so you're seeing moms that are doing tons of intentional time with your kid their kids and homeschooling and and which is all incredible things but if you struggle with spending time with your kids that's going to trigger you to feel inadequate if you're not yeah. being intentional and taking your thoughts captive and, and redirecting and all that kind of stuff so I, I agree with you I definitely And it's funny, I I actually had a conversation with my mom and my mom's group of mom friends that all raised babies together and are all now getting to, like, go to each other's daughter's weddings, which is, is that not the dream and the goal? Yeah. But about kind of mom guilt and, and this, and they were saying that this whole getting down on the floor and spending the whole day playing with your kids super intentional that that is a new phenomenon that they never felt pressured to do that mm-hmm. that they spent time with their kids and then they sent them outside to play yeah. and part of it is that I don't know that we feel safe enough to do that now <laughs> to just send our kids out to run the neighborhood but that that's almost another compounding element is how much how much one-on-one eyeball to eyeball time am I supposed to be having with my kids you know and so I think it's just always changing and and they were talking about the things that that they struggled with guilt wise in their younger motherhood days and a lot of them I was like no I don't struggle with that at all you know so it's I think it's always evolving and changing and we have to I think we have, that's why we have to talk about it because otherwise guilt is so isolating that you're, you're you think you're the only one struggling with this thing and then you have a conversation with someone and they're like oh no no no, no. I struggle with mom guilt every single day and you're like oh my gosh it's not just me you know yeah okay real quick don't skip over this I need to tell you about something super exciting The Crappy Christian Podcast finally has merch. I am going to absolutely toot my own horn and tell you that it is stocked full of really great and really fun designs. T-shirts, sweatshirts, coffee mugs, hats. You are going to love them. So jump over to crappychristianpodcast.com slash shop to check it out. But going back to the idea of, of growth and guilt, my intended question for that was kind of how do we discern the difference between mom guilt and actual conviction? No, this is an area that I need to grow in. 
Well, I think anytime that we're feeling that sense of guilt, like we feel like, oh, I didn't do whatever, it is always an opportunity to examine ourselves and learn about ourselves and what we need to grow and change. And I think that there's, and there's an element, I guess it's kind of changing those thoughts, like, and and I like the Swiss cheese sort of analogy of taking a thought and, and putting it up against like the the, what is it? Examine, like if you could sit there and, and combat it with some truth, like, so mm-hmm. for instance, like with me in the case of the, you know, forgetting the, um, the snack, I, I could sit there and, and figure out the truth in, in that situation and be able to identify like areas that were, it was not the, re, like, I'm not a horrible mom because I forgot the snack. But right. for in, if you came up with an, you know, an idea of, you know, some area where you aren't giving enough to your kids, if you feel like, and so you put up the, tr- you put it up to the truth examine and it doesn't align. Like you're like, wow, I really am not doing this. Then I think that really gives you that space to, to learn and grow. And I think some of it comes to understanding who you are. And I think God really wants, like each one of us is designed and created equally beautiful and we're all uniquely different at the same time. So when we look at comparing ourselves to somebody else, like I know, and just going back to you talking about the, the playing and stuff for a very long time. I mean, my job, I've worked in pediatrics for the last 10 years. I play with kids. That's my Mm, job. That's what I do every single day. And I felt so guilty coming home and not playing with my kids. Right. And I hated it. Like playing Barbie, even just before this call, my three-year-old was like, mom, will you play Legos with me? And I'm like, oh, please don't ask me to play Legos. (laughs) Like, you know, because, but yet at the same time, like, that's what I do. I did at work for so long. And so there was like this guilt thing. And then I came to realize that I don't like to just play. For me, I like to be productive. I like to have intention behind what I'm doing. And so when I'm at work and I'm playing with my kids at work, I have a goal that I'm trying to achieve. I have something that I am trying to do. And with my kids at home, it's surely for the sense of just playing and having fun. And it was so hard for me. And so I recognized that I could go out and play with my kids outside. I could push them on the swing. I could go for a bike ride. And all of those ways filled my cup but not playing pretend Barbies or playing Legos or whatever else. And so I think when you, I think when you get totally in line with who God's created you to be and you keep learning more and more about yourself and you learn more and more about the truths of who you are, and then you can come, like you can compare that to those thoughts that come up and say, is this really an expectation that I should be holding myself up to or do I need to maybe grow and change and learn in these areas? And I think community can be really helpful for that. But I don't think that it's the only way. I think that it's just really kind of aligning with those truths, I guess, yeah. is a good way to put it. No, yeah. I love that. I love that. And I love that you said I don't like to play just to play. I feel like there's going to be so many moms listening to, to this <laughs> that are probably going to audibly in their minivan say, oh, thank you. <laughs> because in mine, it very much depends on the day. And, like, it depends on what we're playing. I, yeah. I love Legos. My brain loves that. But I do. I struggle with Barbies. And I struggle with. But if we're doing art or we're doing. We're running around. That stuff I'm all in for. And I think. It is. It's giving yourself the grace to say, I am human and I don't enjoy this. Yeah. <laughs> and that's okay. And that mat, not only 
is okay. It matters. Yeah. 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 100%. I think it's, it's so true. And I think it's even looking at our kids, it's helpful to see that and, and recognize that each one of them is totally different. I have three kids, you know, and each one of them is totally different. And my husband and I are so very different. You know, my oldest came home with some math stuff the other day and she was like all excited to show me her math book and show me this and whatever. And I was excited to look at it through her, but I was like, honestly, daddy would probably enjoy this way more than I will. (laughs) Like, yeah, it's not my cup of tea, you know? And so just recognizing that and like understanding that we are all different and holding ourselves up to the expectations of everybody else. Like the, you know, the person that wants to show up as room mom and be there every single Mm -hmm. day at school, all power to them. But that the person that's over here hustling and grinding to build their own business, like all power to them, but we shouldn't be we shouldn't be saying, oh, you're spending all that time at school, but oh, you're spending all that time building your business. Like it, there should be no comparison. We all have our own unique things that that drive us and that make us feel lit up and alive. And when we tap into that, that's when I feel like we come, become the person that God's really created us to be. When we tap into those strengths and those gifts that we have and we align with those, And we pour into those rather than sitting there and comparing ourselves to the strengths that our neighbor has, you know? Mm -hmm. So No, I completely agree. And I love that. There's no, there is no cookie cutter for motherhood. And I think the sooner we stop, uh, I don't know, treating ourselves like there is. Yeah. Gosh, I think our motherhood would thrive. (laughs) You know, I think we would thrive. So just for the, the, for the intent of practicality. So you gave the analogy or of kind of the Swiss cheese holding it up against mm-hmm. the truth. Are there any other things or ways that you practice capturing your thoughts and identifying the truth in them to stop mom guilt at the door? Um, I think the first bit is becoming aware of them. And then knowing what are those thoughts that are playing through your head consistently is the first huge step. Like you can't change a thought that's in your head and become aware of it or until you become aware of it. Like you Mm -hmm. have to know what those thoughts are. And then the more that you can change those in the beginning of the day, like in the very first bit of your day, I find that that makes such a huge difference for the rest of the day. So when you can start your morning off with those good, positive, intentional thoughts at the beginning of the day, you know, like it, it just changes in shapes. Like I can tell 100% by my t- patience level and my intolerance, like all of that at the end of the day, I can tell if it's a day that I've had that time for me in the morning and, you know, reading and filling my mind with really good thoughts and whatever at the beginning of the day. But I think a big part of it is just becoming aware, like what mm-hmm. are those thoughts? And so journaling has been one of the biggest things for me in mm-hmm. writing those things down and, letting them out, you know, like starting the thought out and just letting your brain just free flow, whatever comes out, because then you can look back and be like, wow, I really didn't understand that this was something I was struggling with on a deeper level. But now that I've like allowed myself that space to just let it out, I realized that it's not just about mom guilt. It's about the fact mm-hmm. that I am worried about finances or I'm worried about, cause I think oftentimes it's tied to some other fear. Mom yeah. guilt is, it's, tied to 
you know, fears of failing as a mom, fears of money and not being able to provide or fear of whatever. And so when you can let the mom guilt flow out and like those thoughts, then I think you can uncover maybe the fear that's underlying it. And then when you identify what that fear is, then you can set that free. That's so good. Until you really understand what it is, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's, I I call it like a brain dump, which I have to do often because my brain never stops. And those dumping that stuff out, getting it on paper, it's exactly what you're saying where you so often trail it and travel and backtrack it and go, oh, this isn't about the snack. This isn't about that I forgot the snack. It's about that money and the budget is tight this month. And that impacts more than just that tiny little part of my brain. Yeah. And and then I think I think when I do that and I, I make that connection, it makes me feel like less of a bad mom. Right. Or totally. it makes me realize I'm not a bad mom because you're you are not a bad mom. I feel like I have to say that to people all the time. You're not a bad mom. <laughs> you're human. You might have dropped the ball. You're not a bad mom. But that 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 frees me up to give myself grace when Uh I've kind of rooted it back to what I'm actually struggling with. Uh So I love that. I think that's so important and applicable. Um, Yeah. And I mean, like, so, and I didn't share this in the beginning and I don't know why, but my husband was diagnosed with a brain tumor a few years ago. And that was kind of my big catalyst for making so many changes in my life because one, I realized like life is so short. So Mm -hmm. is this really what, like if, if, if something goes wrong with this surgery, is this the way I wanted to live my life or did Mm -hmm. I want to live differently or how am I taking care of my body and all that? So that was like one huge shift. But a big part of it was for me is this weight of feeling like I had to carry it all. Like I had to do it all, you know, Mm -hmm. and this just expectation that we have to handle it all. And so the year post his recovery, he started having, or in that year, he started having seizures and he couldn't drive. And then we had our third baby. And so there was so much, like I was driving him back and forth to work. I was driving all the kids back and forth. I was still working. And like, there was just so much going on in that year. And I felt that I had to hold it together. Mm -hmm. And I think I felt like I had to hold it together because of that fear of if I don't hold it together, who's going to. And if I don't hold it together and something happens, like what, like what then, like if, if something, you know, like whatever. And so it was just like this big breaking point of realizing that when you tap it back to that fear of like, if I'm the one holding everything together, what happens if I burn out? Mm. And I did, I got to that place where I was like, I'm going to walk away. Like I can't Mm. handle this anymore. I cannot handle motherhood. I can't carry all of this on my own anymore. And So when you can find that fear and then be able to decide like, this is something that needs, I need to let this go or I need to shift and I need to change. And whether it be, you know, that it happens in that recognition, I think sometimes even just that awareness, like God can set you free from that in that moment, like instantly. And then other times it takes a little bit of work, you know, of, of digging in and letting it go. But yeah, I think uncovering those fears is huge in being able to move you in a different direction. Absolutely. I completely yeah. agree. I think I think that's super important and probably going to be a little bit of a mind blow for some people. Cause <laughs> it, it, I mean, if you can trace it back, you gain so much power, so much power yeah. over those things. I love that. 
Um, so to close out, we do rapid fire questions. So what do you know your Enneagram type? You know, and I knew, so I don't, I honestly, I I mean, I do and I don't like I've tried so hard to figure out which one I am and I just cannot identify um, because I feel like there's so many things of each and different, whatever. But I think the strongest one that I've always kind of leaned to is more like a nine wing one or a one wing nine. So in that range. Well, and nines have the hardest time typing because they are like the quote-unquote crown of the Enneagram and they do encompass so much more of all the types than other types do so when you said that when you were like there's so much from Eve type I was like oh I bet she's a nine (laughs) (laughs) and I've had other people tell me that they're like oh you probably are a nine but there's so many things of the nine that don't resonate too Mm -hmm. so that's why I'm like I think it's either the one wing nine or the nine wing one right in that space yeah love that Yes. What is something that can always pull you out of a funk? Music, Mm. for sure. Um, I feel like that's one of the number one things. If my kids are in a funk, if I'm in a funk, I turn on the loudest, craziest, (sighs) wildest music, whether it be in the car. Even if I've had times where they're crying and screaming in the back and I turn it up so loud that I can't hear it anymore. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And they're laughing and I'm like, eventually they're laughing, but yeah. It's music it, for sure. It's one of the best ways. Yeah. Yes. And what is the last thing you watched on TV? I don't know. It's been a couple of days, but I think my husband and I were just watching the show called The Morning Show. It's an Apple yeah. TV exclusive. Yeah. Uh-huh. So that was is the last good? one I've watched. It's pretty deep. It's all yeah. about um, kind of like the sexual predator culture within mm-hmm. big business and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So it's kind of a, a deeper one. It's not it's a lot. Relaxing. Yeah, it's not like a light. It's not the office. <laughs> Even no. though Steve Carell's in it. <laughs> no, there's actually a lot of really big people in there, like Jennifer yeah. Aniston and Reese, Reese Witherspoon. Witherspoon. Yeah. 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 So that. Well, Renee, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and talk to us about not just mom guilt, but how to undo it and how to fight it and stand against it and take those thoughts captive. I love that. I think it's super important of course thanks Um, for having me on tell people where they can find and follow you the easiest place to find me would be at therisingmoms.com and on instagram it's my first and last name so renee fick that's r-e-n-a-e-f-i-e-c-k.com so those are the two places and then my podcast is the rising moms podcast so if you want to find me there yeah yeah and we'll link to all of that in your show description so people can find you easily thank you so much yeah thanks so much all right that's it for this week thanks for tuning in to another episode of the crappy christian podcast and hey by the way if you super loved it can you go leave a five-star review wherever you're listening that'd be awesome all right see you next week comes to working at Geico, our best advocates are our employees, like Maxine. But since she's so focused on growing her career, we hired an actor to read her story. At Geico, I love mentoring the new associates to help them make this a career and not just a job. And with new opportunities and job stability, Geico has been helping people grow their careers for over 75 years. The only downside? She still hasn't met the gecko. 
Where are you, fella? Ready to start your career, Fredericksburg? We're hiring claim sales and service agents. Apply online today at geico.job slash Fredericksburg.